So we are in Ephesians chapter 6. And originally I was going to go through the entire passage dealing with the armor and what it all entails, but I'm only going to deal with verses 10 through 13 because there's some things here I thought that were really important to focus on and I didn't want to take too long because um, Ben's tired. Um, <laughs> so I just wanted to touch on a few things uh, that I think are important, but let's read Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 through 13. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of the dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground and after you have done everything to stand. The first thing I think we need to remember is our context. What is Paul conveying to us? Because as he's bringing about this new area when he says finally be strong he's trying to bring a conclusion but it's not separated from everything that he's been talking about and so remember he has been appealing to us to recognize our identity to recognize who we belong to and that we are Even as he says in chapter 2, verse 15, we are this new humanity. He's bringing himself, creating in himself one new humanity out of the two, out of the Gentile world and out of the Jewish people. God is bringing this new humanity. And so we are now the purpose of God in the world. And we need to recognize that we are part of the body of Christ, that we are part of this new humanity that God is forming. We are part of the kingdom of God that he is building. And if we don't understand the war that we are in, we won't recognize the importance of the battles that we fight. Our battle is not just about ourselves. And once again, we have this tendency when we read scripture to think it's talking to us personally and although it's dealing with us in a personal way it is talking about us collectively it's talking about the body of christ when paul is saying be strong in the lord he's not just talking to an individual he's talking to all the people who made up the church in ephesus excuse me ephesus and who make up the church by and large. And so we are part of that context. Have you ever thought that maybe your struggles are actually part of a larger picture? Have you ever thought that the battles you go through are actually part of a larger campaign? That it's not just about you, that it's about something much bigger. It's like soldiers who are fighting a battle and they're fighting in the fog and they can't see what's going on around them. They just know that they are part of a war and their portion is to do this task, 
to storm this beach, to take that stronghold, to, to do something. But they also know that there is another battle going on further up, further north, further inland. Somewhere else, there are comrades in arms also fighting and that their battle isn't separated from them. It's actually in line with those things. Not only those other battles, but the whole purpose of each of these battles, the purpose of the war in general. And so just like in a strategic place, in this metaphor that Paul is using here, that of armor and this of battlefield, is to help us understand what really is taking place. It's to give us an illustration of things that we don't see. It's to help us to grasp hold of these things. And so this idea of a battle and taking on the armor is to recognize that there is something going on that we are a part of. And in most major conflicts, hardly any of the frontline soldiers know much about the rest of the war. They don't know about all the strategies going on. Their task is present at hand. That's the job for the generals. That's the job for other people to to be able to give the orders. But at least they know that something is going on and that their bit is part of the larger purpose. Next time you have a difficulty, a, a temptation, a struggle, a, a testing, if you will, some thing that comes to you that you are challenged in. You are feeling this pressure coming at you. I want you to think that your portion here doesn't just affect you. That your purpose affects much more than just you. It affects the people around you and it is meant to affect even more than that. What would happen if we recognize the value that God has given to us and the purpose? When he says you are the light of the world, that means we have a purpose and a position. You are a city set on a hill. We have an important role to play in the kingdom of God that is taking place. And when the battle hits us, We are standing side by side with others. I think of people in my life who have stood strong and I might not even know them really well. Maybe people who who have taught me the scripture and have given me understanding who have discipled me and they don't even know they discipled me. I just became their disciple because I like them and I listen to them. It's like, you don't know me, but I'm your disciple because I listen to your podcast. And so I'm sitting there and I'm listening to this person speak. What would have happened if that person had given in to a battle and a a problem and a difficulty and would have quit and said, I'm not going to do this anymore? Well, it would have affected me. It would have affected a lot of people. And they might not have thought of, well, you know, I better not, you know, stumble in this area because, you know, what are other people going to think? But it does affect others. It affects our immediate family. What if I, as a father, would have a struggle and stumble and give up and quit fighting this fight? How would it affect my children? How would it affect my immediate family? How would it affect the people who know me? How would it affect my wife, how would it affect all the people 
who have had conversation with me in the past that I have talked to them about who Christ is. How does it affect them? And so the first thing we need to recognize is when he's talking about the struggles, it's not just an individual struggle. It is us in the army. It is us collectively that make up this body of believers. It is us because we are knit together. We are the new humanity in Christ. And someone needs you just like you need someone. And when you fall, then someone who could be pulled up by you is weakened. At the same time, when you push on, you pull someone with you. And sometimes the motivation that we get is when we know that someone is depending on us. I might not want to get up and get to a certain location. I know a lot of people do this like, well, let's go walking or let's work out. I'm not going to get up. But if someone's going to be there, they're going to be there. I got to go. Right? All of a sudden, that pressure of someone depending on you pushes you further than you would go yourself. Recognize that this life that we live in Christ is meant to be knit together. And the battles and the struggles you go through, you don't go through alone. We go through them together. And when you succeed, you pull me up with you. And when you stumble and fall, I will fall with you, but we will rise up together. Because we are seated in heavenly places. And as he's pushing us on, he's pushing us on so that we understand that we have the strength. And, and that's what he says here in verse 10. He says, finally be strong in the Lord and in the power, in his mighty power. So be strong, not just, you know, pull your bootstraps up and take care of it. It's be strong in the Lord. And in his mighty power, that's been the whole purpose of this book, right? You're seated in heavenly, all heavenly, all these spiritual blessings are yours. We have this arsenal at our disposal, this wealth, this riches, this, this relationship with God. And so we are to be strong in this relationship, be strong in his dynamic working in our lives. The first thing that he says that whatever challenge we face we can be empowered. Not that we power ourselves up, but we find strength in the Lord. And Paul needs more than one word to make his point. So he uses his mighty power, or he would use his power, might, and force in some translations. It's, it's something that is more than just power. And this is probably the most important truth to remember, that the balance of power is radically tilted because of Jesus. That the balance of power in this battle that you're facing is on your side. Because God is with you, he will strengthen you. He will help you in this battle. 
And that's what he's really going on to tell us. Later on, as he starts explaining these things, he's giving us little clues and, and hints of how we can arm ourselves up for this battle, how we can strengthen ourselves for life. But the first thing we need to recognize is who's with us. Because it's when we lose sight of him that we start to make our lives less and think the struggles are less than they really are. Oh, it's not a big deal. We give in to these things. And so we need to recognize that things are tilted on our favor. Now, as we start talking about the spiritual dynamic, the scriptures, especially the Hebrew scriptures, really play down demonic forces. And C.S. Lewis wrote, there are two equal and opposite errors into which our race can fall about the devils. One is to disbelieve in their existence. The other is to believe and to fill an excessive and unhealthy interest in them. They themselves are equally pleased by both errors to hail a materialist or a magician with the same delight. And so we want to have this understanding of this spiritual force that we're talking about, that we don't give it too much emphasis, but we don't ignore its existence. We have to recognize that. More people focus on these things. They actually speak about them more than the scriptures do many times. And so as we move forward, we're going to see that he's giving us an illustration and he's helping us to see that there's more to the battle than just what meets the eye that we need to be aware of this because that is to our advantage to understand where the battle is really taking place. And so in verse 11, he, he goes on and he says, put on the full armor of God so that you may, that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. He's telling us to suit up. Again, it's a metaphor. He's giving us an illustration. And what is Paul getting at with this metaphor? He wants you to take your situation seriously. He wants you to understand that life is hard and you better put a helmet on. Right? I mean, you're going to take some knocks and you better be suited up for it. If you're going to play football, you better have your pads on. You better have a helmet on. Otherwise, you're not going to make it. And so he's telling us, this is serious, life's hard, you better put your armor on. And that's what Paul is saying, the conflict is intense, the conflict is real. But don't run from it. Remember, to wear your helmet and pads, full armor, everything that works together, don't leave anything unprotected, be ready for the life that is ahead of you, because you are seated in heavenly places because God has given you these blessings because you are the new humanity in Christ. Be prepared for the life that that entails because it's a powerful life. And because it's a powerful life, there is going to be powerful opposition and there's going to be difficulties. It's going to be hard. Sometimes you're going to get tired. Sometimes you're going to want to give up. Sometimes you're going to need to sit on the bench. Sometimes you're going to need the coach to come and tell you, come on, you can do do it. You'll need encouragement from your teammates. You'll need encouragement from your comrades. Hey, you can do it. Keep your head low, but keep going forward. It's going to be a battle. 
Now we come to the primary concern, and that's really that you would be able to stand so that you can stand against the devil's scheme. The whole point of this is that you need to stand. Why do I need to stand? Because you are standing arm to arm with others. And when you don't stand, it weakens someone else. When you do stand, it is a strength to someone else. And recognize that you are the strength that someone needs. And so you and I need to stand. It's interesting, you know, how many times you don't realize how people watch you. I know Corrine and I have had people come up to us and say, oh, you guys have been the example of marriage to us. And we just laugh. It's like, well, that's because you haven't been in our home. You know, you've seen us from a distance, but it's amazing that people say, well, no, you guys, you know, are still together and we see you still love each other. And so it's an inspiration for us. It's like, well, that's great. Because there's a lot of times we could have fallen. There's a lot of times we could have given up. There's a lot of times we could have thrown in the towel and quit it. But by standing, we don't stand pretty. Sometimes we limp. Sometimes we, we struggle. We hold on to, to others. We hold on to each other. But just by standing, you're there for someone else. And it's an example to someone else. And so we need to recognize the whole point of this is you need to stand. You need to because of who you are and because of where you are. And this battle requires us to be in it together. And the idea of able to stand, it's a term when used in a military context that means you need to hold your ground, hold your position. It's not only a matter of keeping our balance, it's taking that stand against any force that could knock us down, against gravity, a strong wind, uneven surface, so on. And it's whatever life throws at you, you need to stand. If it's illness, you need to stand. If it's some kind of financial problem, you need to stand. If it's bad news from someone that hits you or your family, you need to stand. Whatever it is, you can't give in. Even if it's something of failure, you need to stand. But I failed. You can still stand because of who you are. See, we have this, oh no, I, I failed, and we'll get onto that a little bit. We, we want to throw it in, our, we have this expectation of I have to be perfect. God's never expected you to be perfect. Oh man, I blew it, I got angry, I lost my temper, I yelled at my kids, I, I blew it, I, I was a bad example, and I you know, did something I shouldn't have done, I was a, you know, a terrible example of Christ, I, I, it's blown it, I, it's all over for me. No, you still need to stand. Even in your weakness. In fact, that's where the grace of God will actually show up so that others can see God's grace even in your weakness. What did you think? You wouldn't fall? You wouldn't struggle? That everyone would see you as perfect? No, that's not the lives we live. People need to see my weaknesses and see God's grace in spite of them. And the same thing is true with all of us. 
And then he says here these schemes, the devil and his schemes. That That's a interesting word that he's using there. Today we would say his scams or his cons. Paul told the Corinthian believers to extend forgiveness so that someone in their group would not be outsmarted by the devil. In 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 10 and 11, he says, for we are not ignorant of his designs. The Greek word for design suggests a, a contest of moves and counter moves. Again, C.S. Lewis said, the devil is like a good chess player. He's trying to manipulate things so that you will not stand. So that you will give up and quit fighting the fight that you're in. And we can't give up. He goes on in verse 12, he says, For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers and against authorities, against the powers of this dark world, against spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. So what are we up against? It's not flesh and blood, nothing human or physical. This is a lot of times ignored or forgotten by a lot of people who follow Christ. We, we, we forget it's a spiritual dynamic, even as we are to live in this spiritual life and it affects our physical life there is spiritual opposition as well. Our opponent is not anyone we can see with our eyes. Sometimes he will use people, but the battle is beyond that person. Someone rubs you the wrong way. Someone hurts you. Someone angers you, and you want to get vengeance with them. You want to act out on them and you look at that person and you don't realize that there's something more going on than just what happened with that person. That there's a battle behind that more than what you can see. And that these adversaries do not respond to, to just logic or bullets. They are rulers, authorities, world powers in this darkness and spiritual evil. I know some people think that Paul is referring to ranks in like the devil's army, but I don't think, I'm doubtful that that's what he had in mind. His concern was not how evil is organized, but how it comes at us and how we experience it. All these terms suggest dominant domination and control. If not flesh and blood, then where is the theater of operations? Where is the battle taking place? It's taking place in heavenly places, heavenly realms, right? That's what he says at the end of verse 12, heavenly realms. And, and that's kind of difficult in our mind because we always think heavenly realms, that's the safe place, right? We, we know so little about spiritual realms, but the heavenly places would seem like a safe and secure place to us because he talks about us being seated in heavenly realms in chapter 2. But evil follows us even there. It's something that isn't limited just to the things, again, that we can see. And perhaps stand means actually hold your heavenly ground. Hold that heavenly position so that you aren't knocked off of the position that you hold 
in Christ. Don't let spiritual forces knock you off of who you are in that heavenly realm. Don't let them take you from the place where you really belong. And when attacked, where is it that we are assaulted? What what ground does the enemy attempt to take? Is he just out to make you do a bad thing or is he out to take away your position and the power you hold in that heavenly place? In 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 3 and 5, he says, For though we live in the world... We do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captivity, captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. Every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, pretension, the knowledge of God, every thought. You see, this is the battleground where we're we're dealing with. When Jesus was tempted by the devil, Satan planted an idea in his mind. Each one had a rational element. One even included scripture, a biblical quotation. The devil would have succeeded if Jesus would have entertained those thoughts. If Jesus would have said, well, I... If I am the son of God, why should I go hungry? You see, that was the battlefield. That was the the spiritual battle that he was in. At times, we receive impulses or intuitions from God's spirit. There's times we will hear something. You, You might get this spiritual impulse. You know, I should call someone. All of a sudden it comes to mind. I haven't talked to them in a while. And then you don't call them. And then they call you. And you're like, ah, I knew I should have called them, right? Because I was just, I had this thought. Where did that thought come from? There's a passage in, in Jeremiah, Jeremiah chapter 32, verse 8. It says, then I knew that was the word of the Lord. It's like, oh, that was God speaking to me. That was God ministering to my heart. I, I You know, you should take care of that. And then something happens. Oh, man, I'm glad I took care of it. Ah, then I realized it was the Lord preparing me, working ahead for me, helping prepare me for that so that I wouldn't stumble and fall. Our minds can be infiltrated by the Spirit of God, but it can also be infiltrated by other spiritual influences, sinister inspirations. You get a thought. Resent that person. You get a thought. Be anxious about that. Worry about that. You get a thought. No one cares. And all of a sudden, you're entertaining evil thoughts within your heart. And you don't recognize the spiritual influence that's taking place. And so pretty soon, you become a person who's bitter. Why? Because you're listening to this voice. You become a person who's angry. Why? Because you're being infiltrated by the wrong spirit. You become a person who is anxious because the voice that you're listening to is provoking you 
in that direction. The objective is that we fall under control of something that would be other than God, that we would give our ear to, that we would give our attention to, that we would yield our lives to something other than God. And we're not to do that. That, That's the powers of this dark age against the spiritual forces of evil that's in the heavenly realms. We don't want to yield our life to anything that is contrary to God and what he wants. And so now when we have to, to bring every thought into this kind of captivity, we, we need to recognize these things so that we understand where we're fighting. And that's where he pushes us to. Because he tells us now in verse 13, you need to brace for it. Therefore, get ready. Put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground and after you have done everything to stand. Paul reiterates what he has said in verse 11. Reduced to its most simple form, our strategy is to resist, to withstand, to put up a fight. The word evil also means bad in the Greek translation, especially of the Old Testament. It does not always have the moral significance that evil suggests. So resistance in the day of trouble is not unlike and do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from evil. It has that kind of connotation in it. Do everything that all that is expected of God's child, everything that you as a child of God can do, that is what you're supposed to do. That's how we do everything. That's how we resist. That's how we put a fight against these things. All that calls for our active response to participate, to stand, to hold our ground. And this is the fight that we're supposed to continue. There, This is what we're supposed to do. We are supposed to recognize where we're battling recognize who we are and recognize that we have to fight to be able to resist, to be able to stand, to not give in to this struggle, to this battle. And you know, it's not difficult to see the battle when you look back in your life and you see the times that you have failed. Those are usually the times where it's clear and you say, you know what? I should have recognized this. I should have recognized that when I said yes to that voice and I gave in to that, it was actually a strategy. And I took the bait and I fell for it. And we look back and we say, oh, that's where I stumbled and that's where I fell. And so we can use our lives to recognize our weaknesses and recognize the things that we have a propensity to. You know, I have a propensity towards this, so I I better resist those things because I know that's my weakness. I'm, I'm going to strengthen up there so that I don't stumble in that area. 
I, I give in. I'm such an anxious person. I give in to that. I'm not going to allow those things, those worries to start to overwhelm me. And when I start to feel myself getting overwhelmed in these things, I'm going to say, wait a second, something is going on here. I'm not going to go down that road. I'm not going to go have a, a nervous collapse because of these things. I'm not going to have a panic attack because of this. I'm instead going to take time and I'm going to pray and I'm going to steal my heart before God. Why? Because I don't wrestle against flesh and blood. This is a spiritual battle. When, when you encounter that temptation, oh no, there's that propensity. I don't want to give in to this lust. I, it's not just a physical thing. It's not just a computer screen that you need to resist. There's something else going on. There's a spiritual battle that's going on for your soul. I'm not going to watch that. Instead, what I'm going to do is I'm going to engage my mind in something in another direction so that I don't give the room and the space for this. And now I'm combating it in a spiritual sense. It's not just, no, I'm going to stop, I'm going to stop. No, I have to yield myself to God. You see, I need to change the momentum so that I don't continue down this path and I need to increase the momentum in a path that is going to lift my spirit and enable me with the strength that God has to give me. And what has to happen is you have to, again, recognize that this is a battle, you're going to have to fight it and you're going to have to do things to get yourself past whatever the struggle is. I'm starving. If you're the son of God, tell these stones to be turned to bread. What did he say? Oh no, man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. I am going to get strength from God himself to overcome the physical hunger that I'm dealing with. What if we took every circumstance, every attack and said, I am going to get strength from God to overcome this. What if we would pause and acknowledge God instead of pushing him out and shutting the door saying, God, don't need you right now. I'm going to do this because that's what's happening. We are cutting off the lifeline when we give in to the struggle. We are not acknowledging the God who's wanting to give us the strength and help us pass that. And we need to recognize that this is something that we are fighting together. And at those times, maybe you do need to call someone and say, hey, I'm struggling. I, I was talking to a friend who was telling me about his struggles with pornography. And there are a number of people that he calls when he's feeling just like, ah, this isn't good. I don't like where my mind's going. I don't like what I'm feeling. So he calls and engages with someone. Says, hey, I'm just having a hard time. And his friends say, why don't you come on over? Let's hang out. Let's do something progressive. Or I'll stop and say, well, let's acknowledge God and let's try and keep God in our thoughts and let's pray together. And so now when there's that struggle, it's like, okay, let's pray. Let, let's invite God into the situation. Why? Because it's not against flesh and blood. It's against principalities, powers. And so let's invite God to be a part of how we think through this and how we move forward in this. When your head is filled with the thoughts of everything but heaven, 
or you realize that you've been distracted from everything spiritual for days or weeks. Or you feel exhausted with resisting all that is appealing, but you know it's wrong. When you're not going backwards, but this is... When you feel like you're just struggling and you're not going forwards, realize that you're not going backwards, that this is actually the normal state of affairs. And as much as it may feel like failure, it means you're still swimming against the stream. Sometimes the only encouragement I have is that I'm struggling. And I'm thankful that at least I'm struggling and not just surrendering. So at least I'm fighting against the strain that's trying to pull me back. Spiritual self-defense is awareness. Be aware that you are struggling and let that awareness put you in the frame of mind, why am I struggling with this? Why am I struggling with this temptation? Why am I struggling with this anger? Why am I fighting myself? You ever been there like we were saying, oh man, he just really, man, God, I would like to see something bad happen. And then all of a sudden you say, no, that's not right. I know. I don't want anything bad to happen to them. But I feel like something, uh, it would feel good if something bad happened to them, right? And then you're saying, you can't feel that way. And I feel schizophrenic. All right. No, don't think that. You know, I've got the two voices on my shoulder. Yes, I want it. No, I don't want to. And then you start saying, man, I just feel a little schizo right now. Realize that you're struggling to stand. And then you can stop and you can actually look back and say, what's going on here? Why are you having a struggle with this situation? with this event? Why is there turmoil in your heart saying, do this? And then party says, no, don't do that. And you're saying, no, do that. Stand back and say, what's going on here? Why is there a struggle? And recognize the battle that you're in. Recognize the fight that's taking place so that you can see that something is going on that is important for you and your life and that you are in a warfare with your brothers and sisters and they are struggling just like you. And if you stand today, you will be able to help them stand tomorrow. And by your strength in this event, you will be stronger for the next one so that you can continue on. That spiritual self-defense is awareness, readiness, confidence in God. He's the one that's made me aware. I remember the day when I could care less about these things. And now I care? That's miraculous. What is it? That's God working in me, recognizing my position in Christ, that even if we lose contest after contest, nothing is going to separate us from him. And I will struggle 
until I am in his presence because that is my destiny and I will fight with every strength I have, with every breath I have to tomorrow be a little further than I am today. And sometimes I feel like I am just crawling and I'm getting nowhere. But the fact that I am struggling shows that I am moving against the tide and I will never stop moving because of who I am in Christ. Because this is the battle. This is the struggle. Finally, my brothers, my sisters, be strong in the Lord. His mighty power. Put on this full armor so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle isn't against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against authorities, against the powers of this dark world against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything to stand, understand, see what's really going on, recognize who you are and recognize where you are and recognize that we are in this war together. And you need to be there for me. I'm counting on you. And I need to be there for you because I know you're counting on me. And when you stumble and you fall, I will pick you up because I need you. I need you to stand. You are important to me. You are important to this battle. We can't move on without you. And you can't move on without me. We are in this together. We will not leave anyone behind. We will not move forward without you. And if we have to carry you, we will carry you. But you need to carry me as well. And so let's not be ignorant about this. And let's not stop pushing forward. Life is hard. Put on your helmet. Let's pray. Father, I have such a hard time trying to put into words, Lord, how this spiritual struggle shows up in our physical world. And Lord, it it can be so confusing sometimes how we are to fight it, but then at times it's actually much simpler than we want to make it. Lord, it's not difficult to understand what we need to do. The difficulty comes is when we fail and when we fall. And we wonder, how can you still be with us? Lord, we struggle with our own condemnation. We we struggle with our own weakness. We we struggle with our own frailty. And Lord, we, we see that as defeats. May we see that as battle. May we see that as the war that is taking place. May we change our perspective and see the bigger picture that we are in so that we don't lose heart with the 
smaller skirmishes that we might struggle with. And God, may we never quit trying to stand. May we never stop moving forward, even if it's just the smallest amount. Lord, may we be closer to you tomorrow than we are today, even in our weaknesses. Lord, I ask your strength for us all. In Jesus' name, amen.